Now today we are continuing our series, Divergent. And uh, divergent very simply means it means to take a different path, to go, to go a way that is least expected. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some ways that, that God has called his people to be divergent. He's called us to be divergent in our behavior. And then today we're going to be looking at a subject that's, that can be a little bit touchy. Uh, my wife came to the first service, and so I am all free for service number two. And we're going to see that one of the ways that God's called us to be divergent, to be different, is in marriage. And so today, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll start off in verse number 1, and we'll just sort of work our way through there. Uh, but whenever we talk about being divergent in marriage, uh, man, that is, uh, you know, it's, it's talking about going a different path, going a different way. In our society today, I really believe this, I don't think it takes a whole lot to be different as believers, to live differently than the rest of the world does concerning many things, but also concerning marriage. Uh, let me read to you an interesting letter. There's a, a desperate woman wrote tech support. It's kind of lengthy. I just enjoyed this story so much that I'm going I'm to read the whole thing, so y'all just bear with me. Uh, it says this, Dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0, and I noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall system performance, particularly in the flower and jewelry applications. In addition, husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs, such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5, and installed undesirable programs such as Newspaper 5.0, Basketball Game 4.1, Conversation 8.0 no longer runs. Please note that I've tried running nagging 5.3 to fix these problems, but to no avail. What can I do? Signed, desperate woman. Here's what I like. I like the reply that came from tech support. Dear desperate woman. Okay, y'all need to write this one down. First, keep in mind, boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package. <laughs> I love, love that. Uh, and it says, husband 1.0 is an older, more reliable operating system Please enter the command thoughtyoulovemehtml and try to download Tears 6.2 and don't forget to install Guilt 3.0. If these applications work as designed, Husband 1.0 should automatically run applications, Jewelry 2.0, Flowers 3.5. Y'all, this is so long, but it's, it's good. Uh, however, remember, overuse of the above applications can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Silence 2.5, Happy Hour 7.0 and Beer 6.1. Uh, it says, whatever you do, do not under any circumstances install Mother-in-Law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background. Uh, anyway, it says, in summary, Husband 1.0 is a de decent program. So you might consider buying additional software to improve his memory and performance. We recommend Cooking 3.0. And Hot Looks 7.7. .7. All right. So after I read that, I was like, man, that is so great. I don't know if it really ties in very well, but I like the story. Now, we all know this. As you go through that, you just kind of laugh. But the fact of the matter is marriage, in, in some ways, marriage can be kind of complicated, right? Now, I know that there's, you know, sometimes it's, it's really smooth. It goes really well. But relationships in general are just, are just, they're just difficult, and sometimes it's hard for us to try to figure out how we're all supposed to get along together, how we're all supposed to work. Well, like I said earlier, today we are continuing our series, 
divergent. And what we're going to see is what the Bible has to teach us about how to live differently, to take a path that is least expected in our world concerning the issue of marriage. Now, let me share with you what I see many times. Just as a pastor, I'll have people who will come and talk to me, and they'll talk to me about marriage. And some of the things that they will say is they'll say, listen, you don't understand what's going on in my marriage. We have a difficult time communicating as time has passed on. I've outgrown my spouse. I no longer love them, and I'm ready to move on. And so I'll see this many times, and, and basically what I see is that, that people are coming up with, with reasons that will make them feel better about abandoning the marriage. And sometimes I look and I see some of the things that they're saying, and I've seen it in practice in their marriage, and I think, yeah, that is a tough marriage. But the question for us, especially as believers, for those of us who say we follow Jesus, the question for us is not how do I feel, The question for us is not, what do I want? The question is very simple. The question is, what does God say? What does Scripture have to say? And in particular for today, what does the Bible have to say? What does God have to say? What does God teach us about marriage? Because what I'm finding out is many times what God teaches about marriage and what I want, many times they, they are butting heads. And so I'm just going to share with you. I'm gonna be real, I want to be honest with you. No, I mean like all the time, but I want to be honest with you today and tell you this. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 1 through 7, there's going to be some of you who are going to look at this and say, I don't like what that says. Now, I'm not even, I don't like where you are going with this. Okay, I understand that. But here's the deal. The question for those of us who are believers is not what do I feel. The question is, what does God have to say? And if we're believers, then we need to at least entertain and take seriously what Scripture says. And so we're going to see Peter today sharing with us what the responsibilities are of a, of a man and a woman inside of marriage. And you can look at this and say, this is a first century guy who's a male chauvinist who wrote this. I don't agree with that. I understand, I understand that point of view. But if I'm going to say that the Bible is the Word of God, then we need to look and see what the Word of God says. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1, in just a few moments, Peter wrote this letter to Christians. So just to let you know, this is for believers And he wrote this letter to Christians who were spread all throughout the ancient world. And he speaks on the subject of marriage. Now, why does he do that? Well, remember, Christianity is very new at this time. And it's beginning to spread all throughout the ancient world. And let me tell you something. It was throwing, the the, the Christian faith was throwing a monkey wrench into a lot of marriages. And the reason why is because women during this day in the Roman Empire and all throughout the world, they, they were not highly valued. They, they were seen, basically, women were seen as a, a piece of property. Uh, a woman's testimony in court was not allowed. So there was not a high view of women. Okay, now Christianity comes along, and God begins to speak, and God begins to talk about how men and women in his eyes are equal. So you can, you can imagine, this new faith is it's sort of screwing up the norm here. 
I mean, Galatians uh, 3.28 says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. It says, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal today for us in the 21st century. In this text, let me tell you something, it was a revolutionary idea. It was something that was absolutely transformative in men-women relationships. And so Peter addressed the issue of marriage and what the roles and responsibilities are of a husband and wife because he's trying to create stability that needed to be seen in homes, in Christian homes especially. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, we're going to look at the responsibilities first of all of a wife and then the responsibility of a husband in marriage. Now if you look in your bulletin, you'll see that the responsibility of a wife, you might look at that and say, they have six verses why do the guys only have one? Okay, well, here's the reason why. We, uh, got, we don't multitask very well. Okay, so we're just going to stick with one verse for the guys, and y'all, it's, it's a good one. Uh, the six verses for the ladies, let's just go ahead and hop in here. This is a controversial passage of Scripture. Nobody leave, doors are locked. Here we go. Wives, in the same way, Submit yourselves to your own husbands. All right, y'all ready to go home now? All right, just kidding. Submit yourself to your own husbands so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For in the past, the holy women who hoped in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you become her children when you do good and aren't frightened by anything alarming. All right. Now, verse number one, for most people, as we live in the 21st century, they look at that, that is the big bombshell for Christianity uh, in husband-wife relationships. You look at that and say, man, I knew it all along, Christianity is just a male chauvinist religion. First century writer wrote this, he's a male chauvinist, I'm not paying attention to anything else that's going to be said here. Now, let me follow that up with this. Things are not always what they seem. I'll give you a story. 1884, there was a couple that went to see the president of Harvard University. Their son had died, and they wanted to leave a memorial for their son at Harvard. So they talked to President Elliot, who was the president there, and they sat down with him and said, we'd like to establish a memorial for our son. Well, when he looked at them, he said they just sort of looked like a, just sort of a simple, regular couple. And uh, so he talked to them and said, what would you like to do? And they said, we'd like to give some money and have a, have a building built in honor of our son. And he thought, no, there's no way they can do that. And so, well, let's, let's sort of dial that back a little bit. You know, maybe we can establish something else for him. They said, we're not interested in that. And they got up and they left the meeting. Now, Elliot didn't think anything about it until 1885. Because in 1885, he found out that the same couple who had been in his office, they went to California and they gave $26 million to start Leland Stanford Junior University, which is now better known as Stanford University. He was shocked, because when he saw the couple, he didn't think they could do it. But things are not always what they seem. Sometimes things can be a little bit different than we thought. And the same thing is true in our text. Peter started off by sharing 
the responsibility that a wife has to her husband. Well, what is it? And then the bombshell, of course, is verse number one. It says, wives are to submit to their husband. The same teaching is found throughout the Bible. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. It's found in Colossians chapter 3. It's found in Titus chapter 2 and in our text today. And it's probably one of the most criticized and abused passages in all of Scripture. And it, it's, it's criticized in that uh, many, many ladies and many people can look at this verse and say, this right here shows that Christianity is antiquated. It is not, it's out of date. It's not anything we need to pay attention to. These people are absolutely crazy. And then there's the other side. There are guys who look at this passage of Scripture and they say, this verse right here shows that my wife is supposed to do everything that I tell her. But let me remind you, Things are not always as they seem. Matter of fact, I will say this. Both of those views are incorrect. And I say, well, 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 then what's it talking about here? Well, before we start, you know, making judgments, just simply reading the Scripture and going on, we need to understand the context of what's happening during this day. And the context of what's happening during this day is Christianity was beginning to spread. And it was running rampant. And, and, and remember this, that women all over the world were not valued very highly at all. As a matter of fact, they were just simply seen as being the property of their husbands. And then, all of a sudden, this message begins to spread about Jesus. And what's the message of Jesus? That he provides freedom, that Jesus sees men and women as being equal in his sight, that we are the sons, we can become the sons and the daughters of God. It was revolutionary. And so many women, in particular, became followers of Jesus because for the first time in their life, they are seeing someone teaching them that God loves them. For the first time in their life, they are seeing that they are a creation of God, that they are not just simply something that has been created only for men to tell them what to do. And they become excited about this message, and they want their husbands to know Jesus. See, Peter is, Peter is in living, talk, writing to a, a group of people who are living in a pagan culture. And so these ladies are like, well, you know, we're not very held in high esteem with our husbands. How can we share with them the good news of Jesus? And Peter says, well, one thing you can do is you can submit to your husband. That word submit, it means to put oneself under authority. It means to serve and to show respect. Now let me tell you this. One of the quickest ways to get somebody's attention is to serve them. One of the quickest ways to get somebody to take seriously what you have to say is for you to put them ahead of yourself and to love them and to care for them. Peter is saying if you want your husband to pay attention to you, then live a life of service and kindness to your husband and he will begin the process of listening to what you have to say. Now this is actually true for all believers. The Apostle Paul, when he was trying to, to share with people how great Jesus was, here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, although I'm a free man, he said, I'm not anybody's slave. He said, but I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? In order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. And to those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. Why did he do it? He said, so that I can win those under the law. To those without the law, like one without law. Not being without God's law, but within Christ's law. Why? So that I can win those without, to, without the law. And he said, to the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. 
I've become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now, whenever Peter wrote this text, Peter was not saying, listen, wives, you're to submit to your husbands because, because they are better than you. I'm not saying, wives, you're to submit to your husbands because, because you are to be under their control. If you look in Scripture, you do not see that was a part of God's plan. God's, God did not say women are just simply property of men. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis. You remember God created Adam first, and he looks at Adam, and Adam's just all by himself. And it's, he's kind of a pitiful sight, I guess, because when God looked at him, God said, it's not good for Adam to be hanging out by himself. And this is what it says in Genesis 2.18. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He said, I will make a helper as his complement. Now, now, Peter wasn't saying that a wife was to be the slave of a husband. He was not saying that a husband can abuse his wife. He said, listen, God has created the institution of marriage, and God has different roles for men and women to play. Because in Genesis, he said that whenever a husband and wife are joined together, he says the two, y'all remember this part? The two become one flesh. They become one. Now, obviously, they don't become one in the melding of their minds. Have y'all noticed that? We are, man, men and women big time think different. But what I, what I see that God has done is God has created a role that he desires for a man to fulfill and a role that he desires for a woman to fulfill. And then when they come together, what happens? They complete each other. And then they are able to become one. It's not that one is better than the other. We just have different roles to play. And Peter said that when God created woman, he created her to be a complement to the man in order to complete him and vice versa. So what is the responsibility of the wife? Her responsibility is to love, to submit, to serve, to be on his team. Okay, you might say, then what about guys? Does a husband have a responsibility? Well, let's look at the responsibility of the husband. And, and you see it in one verse. And it's verse number 7, it's a powerful verse. It says, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives, with understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now when Paul wrote this to husbands in verse number 7, he's making the assumption that the husbands here are followers of Jesus. In, in the Roman Empire during this time, it was completely normal that a wife would always take on the faith of her husband. Now, whenever a wife did not take on the faith of her husband, it was because of Christianity. That's why there's a lot of problems during this time in homes. There were women who were becoming Christians. Their husbands served pagan gods, and then they all of a sudden they become followers of Jesus. Now, in our text, Peter is, is speaking to Christian husbands. And he's saying, okay, here's your responsibility. Your wives, we start off verse number one, the bombshell, they're to be submissive. Then we get to verse number seven. He says, here's your responsibility, men. And some of you aren't going to think this is fair, but there's more to it than you think. He says, husbands, you are to live with your wives. And you've got to be, some of you might think, you've got to be kidding me. That's all a guy's got to do? You know, live with his wife? It's a no-brainer. Things aren't always what they seem. When it says that, that husbands are to live with their wives, it means more than a man is simply just taking up space. What that is inferring 
It's just inferring that when a husband lives with his wife, he is doing all in his power to protect her, to, have, to provide for her, to provide shelter for her, and to watch over her, and to know her. In other words, Peter is saying, your wife is more than just a piece of property. She carries more value than that. As a matter of fact, he goes on to let them know. See, these verses are actually referring all the way back to the book of Genesis. He says, I want you to understand that your wife is your partner. You know, that, is to- that was totally against the norm of the day. This was divergent thinking. Because legally, the wife was the property of the husband. But then what does Peter say? He says, your wife is your partner. To to say that your wife is anything less than your partner is against Scripture. It's against all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 when God created Eve. We're told in Genesis 2 there, it says, Then the Lord God made the rib he'd taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last. He says, She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Flesh. This one shall be called woman, for she was taken from man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Now the Bible says that when a husband and wife come together, it says they bond together and become one flesh. That word bond is an interesting word. It literally means glue. When a husband and wife come together, they are glued together. Now the idea here is it's not we're not talking about Elmer's glue, you know, where you can just pull that apart. I mean, it is it is permanent glue. They are bonded together. Now, if you try, if you take two pieces of wood and you like super glue them together and then you try to rip them apart, and let's say you have some success, what, what ends up happening is you splinter the wood, right? I mean, it leaves behind jagged edges. It's not supposed to be torn apart. But whenever a marriage is torn apart, when a husband and a wife are not fulfilling their roles, what happens is that the marriage ends up being damaged. So you might say, well, how is a husband then supposed to protect the marriage? Well, practically, you protect your marriage, you protect your relationship by spending time with your spouse. Uh, Counselors have said that in general, a husband and wife will spend on average every week about 37 minutes in conversation for the whole week. And so it's no surprise, and I see this all the time, whenever children grow up and they move out of the home, Husbands and wives oftentimes struggle because they look at each other and think, oh my gosh, who are you? You know, they haven't talked to each other in years. And for the first time, they're looking at each other and they're like, my gosh, I actually live with a stranger. The idea of living together means knowing each other. But it also carries with it the idea or the connotation of providing The the role of a husband, when it talks about living in the home, the role of a husband is is he is to provide for his family. He's to make sure that their needs are met. Now, this does not mean that Scripture is saying that that a woman is not to ever work outside of the home. Now, I know there are some people who believe that. That is not my interpretation of the Scripture. I see throughout Scripture that there are women who worked outside of the home. But what it is saying is that the primary responsibility of provision is to come from the husband, and it's serious. Because if we don't fulfill that role, guys, we're being sinful. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, 
Speaking of a husband, it says that, that's, that is his own household. He's denied the faith. It says, and he's worse than an unbeliever. Husband's supposed to provide. Now, the next part in verse number 7 causes a lot of confusion and frustration for people because it says that a husband is to understand his wife's weaker nature. And so people have taken that, and we really run with that one. Well, my wife, you know, she's got a weaker nature. You know, she's not quite up to snuff. You know, she's not as smart as me. Um, I have to help her out all the time. Now, the question is, is that what... Is that what God was saying here? And so for those of you who think he was, let me tell you something. He wasn't. What's God saying? It's interesting that the end of that verse, it has a strong statement of equality between men and women at the very end of the verse. Verse number 7. If you look in verse number 7, it says that men are to to understand or to see that their wives are are co-heirs of the grace of life. You see, it says co-heirs of the grace of life. That is a statement of equality that when we stand before God, men and women are equal. So then when I say, okay, then how do I, what is, what's it talking about when it talks about a woman has a weaker nature than a man and a man needs to understand that? Y'all, it's real simple. You know what the weaker nature is? It's that in general, men are physically stronger than women. That's really and now I say in general, I've been to the Y, and I've seen y'all, there's some of you, and you're so much stronger than me, and there's some ladies here that could just pound me into the ground, okay? Don't use me as the example. I'm just not in general. Men are stronger than women. Now, are men stronger than women physically in general so that it gives them power to lord it over women? Absolutely not. What's the responsibility of a husband? To provide and to protect his home. Here's what I honestly believe. God made men and women different. Politically correct to say that? Absolutely not. Is it true that God made men and women different? Oh my gosh, give me a break, y'all. We are so different. We're different in what we talk about. We're different in what we like. We're different physically. Have y'all noticed that it's women who have babies? I mean, we don't, guys don't have babies, hallelujah. I mean, now, should I feel shortchanged because of that? Absolutely not. It's just God made us, God has made men stronger physically for a reason. It is to be a protector, to watch out for his family. That's why he's made us different. It's not to lord it over our spouses. Now, where we get into trouble is when we allow what God has done for good and we pervert it and use it in order to lord it over our family. But the Bible's very clear. The Bible's very clear, and it tells us that God has designed different roles for men and women. And if we do not fulfill those roles, then there's something that's very important for us to pay attention to. God says, men, you are to live with your spouse. You're to provide. You're to protect. You're to care for them. You're to value them. But if you don't do it, the end of verse number 7 says, your prayers will be hindered. That word hindered means to be cut off. It's a much stronger translation than just saying hindered. Guys, if we don't love, this is how serious it is, if we don't love and respect and provide and protect our wives, God's not going to listen to you. 
He's not going to listen to me. So with that in mind, here's the big question. Men, for us, how well are you doing taking care of your wife? You know, how well are you doing providing for your wife, protecting her, spending time with her, living with her? Because if we're not doing a good job, our prayers aren't getting any higher than the ceiling. Ladies, for you, here's the question for you. How are you honoring your husband? Are you respecting him? Are you serving him? Are you caring for him? Now, now we're not choosing or desiring to do these things so that our spouse will be obedient to us. We are doing these things in order to be obedient to God. This is what God has to say about marriage. And if we decide to follow God's path and leadership in marriage, let me tell you something, you will be divergent than the rest of the, the, rest of the world. Living in this way will make you stand out from everybody else because we understand that men and women, husband and wives, we are equal, but we have different roles to play so that we can be whole and fulfilled.